I next met with Dr. Keith Stewart to talk about ASCO papers in multiple myeloma. And to begin, we discussed data from a trial looking at a new combination up front, the next-generation irreversible proteasome inhibitor carfilzomib combined with lenalidomide and dexamethasone, so-called CRD. This paper was from Dr. Jack Boviak and his colleagues in a trial sponsored by a Myeloma Research Consortium. It looks at a novel drug, carfilzomib, which looks like it was heading for FDA approval. It had paused a vote from ODAC a few days ago. And this drug is carfilzomib, which is a proteasome inhibitor with a favorable toxicity profile, particularly in that it seems to cause somewhat less neuropathy than bortezomib. This trial has been reported in the past, but this was an update of this trial in newly diagnosed myeloma patients who were younger, more physically fit, who received a combination of carfilzomib with lenalidomide and dexamethasone, and has remarkable response rates, in fact, with 100% of patients responding to treatment. Very impressive, complete remission rates, particularly with continuous treatment in that Patients who stayed on therapy for longer periods of time tended to have deeper responses. And overall, 78% of patients went into what we term a near complete remission, meaning they're only immunofixation positive. This was achieved with a very modest toxicity profile, consistent with the known side effects of lenalidomide and dexamethasone. And now with carfilzomib, as people have gained more experience with this drug. So Again, this is a very promising regimen, the newly diagnosed patient setting, very high response rates, low levels of mainly grade one neuropathy. And I think for that reason, and particularly since this drug seems to be heading for FDA approval in the relapsed refractory setting, I think this is encouraging news for myeloma patients. And it's probably a drug the treating physician, the community will be able to use quite soon and will rapidly adjust to. How about abstract 8033, the report by Paul Richardson et al. on MLN 9708, the oral proteasome inhibitor? We first saw this at ASH in December, and now this follow-up presentation, pretty exciting. Yeah, this is an oral proteasome inhibitor structurally related to bortezomib. It's been a bit hard to tell how active that drug is in the relapsed refractory setting, because most patients have already been exposed and become resistant to bortezomib. What the presentation here was, again, in younger patients, newly diagnosed, given the oral drug together with lenalidomide dexamethasone, so creating a completely oral regimen. And again, a very high response rates in the region of 95% response, and more than one might perhaps predict with lenalidomide dexamethasone alone, And I think of more encouragement also is that peripheral neuropathy was relatively low frequency compared to what might be expected for use of bortezomib, for example. So again, this is a oral drug, reasonably well tolerated, high response rates in the newly diagnosed setting. So that, again, is quite encouraging and and heading for phase three testing. How about abstract 8014, looking at bendamustine, where we've seen a lot of interesting data in lymphoma bortezomib and dexamethasone in elderly patients. Yeah, this is again a French study. It used the alkylator bendamustine, which again has been shown to have some activity in the relapsed refractory setting, of course, is becoming very popular in low-grade lymphoma. This was a phase two study in multi-centers. The response rate overall was 60%, so I would say it was somewhat 
as one might have predicted for a regimen like this with an alkylator. I don't think it was quite as dramatic as some of the other results we've described already, but certainly is a drug worth considering, I think, when some of the frontline options have failed. This trial that was reported was in patients who had at least one prior therapy. Of course, bendamustine is not yet approved for use in myeloma, so again, coverage may be an issue. Have you used it in myeloma? You know, I personally have not, mostly because of the insurance issues. And my own personal sense is it's probably not significantly different than cyclophosphamide or melphalan, but that is with the caveat. I don't have a lot of personal experience with it. You were also involved in abstract 8035, another carfilzomib paper, this time looking in single agents and patients who were refractory or intolerant to bortezomib and imids. Yeah, this is the large phase two trial, which was the basis of the FDA submission and treated over 200 patients with carfilzomib. It showed a overall response rate of about 23%. And in patients who were double refractory or intolerant of bortezomib and lenalidomide with decent duration of response. So these are essentially the unmet medical need population. And again, carfilzomib appears to have activity in that setting, more so in the bortezomib intolerant, probably responsive patients. Again, I think showing that this, and this is probably the indication at which it will get initial release and approval, showing that you have an option to turn to in the community if the traditional therapies are no longer available or no longer effective. So there were a couple other MLN 9708 papers I wanted to ask you about. One by Sagar Loneal, 801-7, looking at twice-weekly dosing, and another by Saji Kumar, looking at weekly dosing. Can you comment on these two papers? Well, these are trials that were essentially phase one studies looking for appropriate dosing levels. They both managed to establish an MTD of two milligrams per meter squared on a twice weekly dosing schedule. I forget exactly the weekly dosing, but they both showed modest activity, but probably not so much because the drug is not active as these were patients who have received bortezomib in the past or refractory to it or running out of options to go on these phase one type studies. And I think it would be a lot to ask much of a single oral agent in that setting. So these essentially established toxicity and allowed a dose to be established, which could move into early phase studies, as we already discussed with lenalidomide, dexamethasone. There were questions at the meeting as to whether they were achieving good proteasome inhibition in the blood with the oral delivery, and we were reassured that was indeed the case. There are clearly some patients who respond, even though they're somewhat refractory. And, and again, I think because this is an oral regimen, it's certainly one that deserves significant further study. So at ASCA, we saw a little bit more on the monoclonal antibody elotuzumab, 8020, a phase two study. We had seen some of this at ASH. What is this agent and what do we know about it and what was presented? Well, this was an update on a large multi-center international study of elotuzumab. Elotuzumab is a monoclonal antibody targeting a cell surface protein called CS1, which is expressed on almost all myeloma cells and only really else on natural killer cells in the blood. So very high therapeutic ratio possibility. This drug combined lenalidomide and low-dose dexamethasone in patients who had had some relapses already and in which an expected response rate would be about 60%. So this phase two trial showed a 
rather impressive overall response rate of 81%. The dose chosen to go forward as the phase three testing dose, the response rate was actually even a little bit higher than this. So this antibody appears in a phase two setting to increase the sensitivity of myeloma cells to lenalidomide dexamethasone. And again, this is now being studied in two large international phase three trials called the Eloquent Studies. So again, curiously, this monoclonal antibody really didn't look very active on its own, didn't seem to enhance bortezomib's activity, has higher than expected response rates with lenalidomide dexamethasone. The mechanism has been postulated to be upregulation of CS1 expression and enhanced antibody-dependent cellular cytotoxicity. But again, I think this is a drug that clearly needs the phase three trial results. What is the actual target in terms of the myeloma cell? Well, the target is to activate antibody-mediated killing by binding the cell surface receptor, CS1, which really doesn't have a very well-defined mechanism of, you know, people don't really know what it does on the surface of myeloma cells, only that it is there and sort of differentially there. So I think the mechanism's a little bit fuzzy. I guess the jury's out a little bit, although certainly that's a very impressive phase two response rate and I think higher than one would expect with Lendex alone. So again, we're hopeful for patients that this proves to be a positive addition to the therapeutic arsenal, but again, phase three trials required. How about abstract 8015, another look at the MRC9 study? We've seen some fascinating data from that study, and now there's another presentation, this time talking a lot about side effects and toxicity. Yeah, Dr. Morgan reported this as the United Kingdom Medical Research Council Myeloma 9 study, and they've presented this in the past. For those of you not familiar with this trial, it was a very large study, about 2,000 patients, but one of the sidearms of the trial was to compare two different bisphosphonates, solidronic acid and clodronate. And they had previously reported and confirmed here that somewhat surprisingly, solidronic acid not only reduced the number of skeletal-related events, but actually improved survival by about six months compared to patients who took clodronate, irrespective of whether they were heading for transplant or receiving more conservative therapy as elderly patients. What this report chose to highlight on was not so much the survival data, but on the side effect profile, asking the question, do you really need to limit treatment with bisphosphonates to two years? Because that has become some of a recommendation based on the incidence of osteonecrosis of the jaw and potential renal problems with prolonged dosing. The bottom line of this study was that kidney failure was identical whether you got clodronate or zoledronic acid. The osteonecrosis of the jaw instance was slightly higher with zoledronic acid versus clodronate, but really it, at the end of the day, it was a very low percentage of patients. I think only nine patients developed osteonecrosis of the jaw. At six years, the overall incidence was only 3.5% of patients. 3.5% of patients got osteonecrosis of the jaw even with prolonged therapy, so relatively uncommon side effect. They were able to follow closely nine patients and show that six of these patients had dental surgery or trauma immediately prior to developing osteonecrosis of the jaw. And for most of those patients, it was a relatively minor inconvenience rather than serious toxicity. And so therefore, their conclusion was that we don't really need to limit the duration of therapy based on exaggerated concerns about that potential toxicity in that 
it seems to be relatively uncommon. And if one avoids dental surgery, actually quite rare. I guess the other thing they showed, it was a pretty cool curve. And I think, I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting for them to report this ONJ stuff was the ONJ rate over time. And it kind of looked like after 36 months, it plateaued out. Yeah, it's true. It appears to plateau out about three years. But one has to remember, of course, that the overall survival in this trial wasn't dramatic. It was somewhere in the four-year range for the conservative therapy arms. A lot of patients would be dying about that time. And also, the follow-up of the trial isn't that long. So I'm not sure there are that many patients out beyond three or four years. So but it does seem to reach a plateau, and it seems to start around two years. So after that, the cumulative incidents appear to be quite small so far. Let's just talk briefly about Waldenstrom's. Irene Gobriel had an interesting presentation, 8043, looking at the mTOR inhibitor that we've seen a lot of exciting things with recently in breast cancer, Everlimus. Yeah, Everlimus, an mTOR inhibitor, has shown activity before in low-grade lymphomas and other types of lymphoma. And so Probably not too surprising, but a very nice study by Dr. Gobriel and her colleagues at Dana-Farber looking at Waldenstrom's anemia, showing substantial single-agent activity in this disease with this drug. Partial response rate of 50%, minimal response of 23%. So overall, a 73% response rate to single-agent is, I think, very impressive. Patients had at least up to three prior therapies and... I think this is obviously a drug that we need to explore further in earlier stages of this disease. We do have one trial, I know at Mayo Clinic, I see Dr. Reeder, our colleague, was on this. Some of my colleagues were on this paper. And we do have one trial, lenalidomide and Everlimus underway, which we find quite an interesting combination.